Hello, hello. Welcome again to what was what was supposed to be the final episode of the year of the Bear and Parrot Jeff and Josh Hot Sheet podcast. The hot sheet you read uh, today, this, this podcast is out today, will be the final one, but it sounds like we are going to continue podcasting right on through the off season. Uh, so rejoice, listeners. You get more weekly doses of us talking about minor leagues, talking about the fall league, probably talking about winter league. Uh, I'm sure there will be some <laughs> delirious podcasts during the teeth of handbook season when we're just awash in editing uh, chapters and running down grades and trying to find signing scouts, and doing all that good stuff that helps that handbook uh, go to press right before Christmas every year and then get into your hands before spring training. But the main bullet point of this presentation is there will be more Jeff and Josh podcasts in your listen holes uh, over the course of the off season. Jeff, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think the thing that stuck with me about everything you said was the usage of the word listen holes, or I guess that would be words depending upon how you spelled it. Um, I think listen holes is a single word though in the BA style guide. So I'm going to go with single word listen hole but uh, i'm excited uh, man keep on talking it's going to be great you know we're going to be delirious and like obsessed with whatever team we're editing and reading and watching at that point so we'll have you know like two random guys from like the the, the blue jays that i probably totally overrate over the course of the offseason you know how these things work but mm -hmm. um, looking forward to it and i don't know i'm kind of looking forward to the madness mm -hmm. of handbook season <laughs> Okay, well, that's that's how you could tell you've only done one of them, <laughs> and that it hasn't fully started yet. Uh, the madness of handbook season is madness indeed. You know, it, it's never smooth. There's always a power outage or two, or a chapter that falls through, or a major trade where you have to, oh crap, there's you need eight new prospects or whatever, or the rule five throws a loop into it. And we always say the transaction deadline is going to be the rule five. But if, you know, some blockbuster happens after those 40 men rosters are set. Uh, got to do it. Got to do it. I, I think uh, there was a Puig, the, the, the deal that sent Puig to the Reds and Josiah Gray to the yeah. Dodgers. Yeah, that all happened like the day before the hot sheet went to press. The handbook. Sheet, the handbook <laughs> there was no hot sheet in the off season um but in any case we're going to take a slightly different tact with this particular podcast it's called the hot sheet podcast but we're not going to talk a whole lot about the hot sheet because half the minor league season is over at this point at least for the regular season uh low a and high a are done the rookie levels have been done for a couple weeks and the double a level uh has one more week to go. Triple A regular season has two more. Playoff matches are set. Uh, the first playoff game of the well, the first full season playoff game of the year, Eugene and Vancouver is going to start here in a couple hours. So the minor league season is both winding down and the minor league postseason is cranking up. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit about our favorite memories of the minor league season that we've had this year. And I'll uh, let you kick it off, Jeff. What was your favorite moment of your 2022 minor league season? 
Yeah, you know, there were a lot, a lot of great ones. Um, you know, certainly seeing Andrew Painter last week, um, that was a great one. Uh, you know, even though it wasn't as many innings as I would have liked, uh, Harrison versus Tiedemann was really a lot of fun uh, just to have those two guys going back and forth. Um, you don't get too many matchups of that quality. But I, I honestly, will, I'll say like my, my favorite memory is being in Florida, second week of the season, couple days i think it was the first game i went to after they implemented where they started enforcing heavily the minor league pitch clock and i got a sub two hour game in um dunedin um with fort myers in dunedin and marco raya um though i know he was kind of injured and missed a lot of time um was phenomenal that night uh the fastball was great the slider was really good the changeup was really good and it was one of those things you show up to a game like that and you're happy to get a good pitching performance, but it was a phenomenal pitching performance. And just to experience a two hour game, I don't, or sub two hour game, I don't think I'll forget that just because it was such like shell shock coming off of um, spring training and, you know, backfield games and then a lot of college games, which obviously do not have the pitch clock. So um it was it was it was like culture shock so i think that that to me funny enough is is like my lasting memory is is that particular start i think because of how good raya was and just how quick the game was and you know one thing i want to ask you just i'm sure we talked about at the time but how how does the first futures game for you stack up in that mix yeah i mean it's it's pretty high um i would just say that it's different but it, i'm gonna sound like obnoxious here um it, it it is awesome to see that many prospects uh it is great to watch the bp honestly might have been my favorite part of the futures game the prospect pad was right up there too being able to sit down and actually have some in-depth conversations with some of these players and getting to know like what they're doing a little bit better and just like you know what their the thought process is with certain things that was really valuable i think just as like a journalist but um the only thing is it's, it's still a showcase game and you know there's just not the competitiveness that there is in even a minor league game i'll say uh i don't know some i I like games like i like i like the 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 natural flow of a typical game you know a regular season game or even better if it's a playoff game but uh yeah so i think that's the one thing like with the futures game um you know it was cool but you know, it, it doesn't have the same uh, authenticity or taste, smell, feel as like a good minor league game does. You know, like I, I get real jacked up. I, I was excited, but after Futures game, but like after a great minor league game, like I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty jacked up after I've seen like an awesome performance, you know. For sure. Yeah, I, I know that feeling, you know, I, I felt that way before with some pitchers. Um, you know, I got that feeling the other day with uh I got to see Anthony Volpe's first multi-homer game in the minor leagues since 2019. Yeah, since uh, huh. since since low A at some point. So no, it was last year then. It must have been last year uh, since since he was in Tampa. Um, he had two home runs against uh, the Durham Bulls here in Durham over in the second or third game of a six-game set. Um, it was pretty pretty fun to watch to see a top prospect perform like a top prospect and i've seen like five of his home runs now 
uh, not just this year, but last. So he, he's given me some pretty special moments. But if anybody knows who I am, they know what my favorite moment of the minor league season was. And that is the first series of Jackson Chorio's uh, full season career here in Zebulon. That is not only my favorite moment of the minor league season this year, it might be my favorite moment of my nine years in Baseball America. It was that special. I don't think I, you know, I, I've said, told this story a thousand times already somehow. I don't think I came in expecting to see what I saw, to see, you know, this, this supernova of a talent. Um, I knew, you know, he got some money on the international market and just like everybody else on that Zebulon club, he got some money on the international market and I expected to see some good, some bad. And uh, I didn't see a whole lot of bad, especially that first week. And the, the one game that crystallizes it is that final game of the series when it's 40 degrees and he's, you know, from Venezuela where they're not playing baseball in 40 degree weather. And he, goes four for four with a backside home run and makes some plays in center field. And it just all comes together for you. Like this one's special. And um, I think he's, he's, uh, he's proved that over and over and over again this year. He hit his 20th home run the other day of the season. And he just turned 18 and a half this past Sunday, September 11th. So 20 home runs at that age with, you know, a little bit of extended spring training time, absolutely no um, complex league time is pretty nuts. And then we find out just a few hours before this podcast that he got promoted to double A and uh, <laughs> excuse me, an 18 and a half year old at double A is silly regardless, but just to put the, the it puts a cherry on the season that he's had. Um, and, you know, I do think kind of as a, uh, as a side note here that we might see that kind of thing happen more often with the way the class a seasons are staggered with the double a season and the triple a seasons. Like if we have, you know, let's say Jason Chorio comes out next year and does a similar thing where he gets to Lynchburg and crushes and then goes to Lake County and crushes Maybe they send him to Akron for the last series of the, se the season. If he's the similar, if, if Supernova runs in the bloodlines of the Chorio family, maybe that happens next year. Or just about any other prospect where you might move them up, just continue their season in the last weeks of the uh, upper level regular season. And, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you move them up to Nashville because Nashville will have one more series after Biloxi is done. And, you know, I was telling Jeff before we got on the podcast, this sets up a matchup for my heart because the pitcher version of, your, of uh, Jackson Chorio for me is Yuri Perez. And he'd missed a little bit of time uh, with a bit of like a lat injury, but he's back. He just rehabbed for low A Jupiter, but low A Jupiter season's done and high A Beloit season's done. And... Biloxi and Chorio are in Pensacola to close the year. So we might get Yuri Perez versus Jackson Chorio. And if that's the case, I may explode with joy watching <laughs> those two particular uh, young talents match up. 
So yeah, that was my favorite moment of the minor league season. There's been a lot of really good ones. You know, just talking to Ellie De La Cruz the other day for a feature you're going to see in the mag and probably on a longer version online was pretty special. He's a really, really engaging young man to talk to. Um, so that was really fun. I think about spring training was always great. And then Arizona Fall League's coming up and that's my favorite time of the year. I absolutely adore the Fall League and We'll be down there October 2nd through the 15th. So I'm going to get my share of Fall League, maybe a little bit of the last tail end of Instructs mixed in there too. So, you know, maybe double, triple up every day and then come home and collapse that following Sunday. So, yeah, in summation, Jackson Chorio was my year. And if you've followed me at all on Twitter, you know that. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's get our first ad break out of the way right <laughs> now. And we're back. So Jeff, you know, have you looked at all at the minor league playoffs? Cause there's, they're in the, they're in the early stages. You know, there's some pretty cool matchups coming coming uh, coming down the pike as far as prospect mm. watching. Their seasons are, regular seasons are over, but prospect watching is not done. What's, uh, what's something you're looking forward to in the minor league playoffs? Yeah, I've been, uh, I tune into, you know, I've really been trying to hone in on my teams, uh, which are Toronto, St. Louis, and Colorado. Um, so I watch a lot of Northwest League because I, I haven't seen those teams. Um, that's actually Vancouver is the only uh, Toronto affiliate I haven't seen multiple series from this year. Um, so I try to watch as much Vancouver as I can. Uh, it's also a pipeline in New Hampshire. So, you know, even if not getting those guys this year it gives me some background. Plus, I have to do the handbook chapter. So, um, they actually finished up with a series against Eugene uh, this week, and um, they're actually facing Eugene again this week in the North uh, West League Championship. So, you know, I'm excited. It's a good series, a good matchup. Um, Eugene's a really talented team. Uh, Mason Black, really good arm. He pitched really well the other night. Uh, Case and C- Carson Seymour is a name that I've brought up a few times, uh, was acquired in the Darren Ruff trade, uh, may turn out to be a, a pretty good win for the Giants there. Um, but they also have a loaded lineup. I mean, you're talking about a lineup that has, you know, Mar- uh, Marco Luciano, um, Louis Matos is in that lineup as well. I know that the stars down a little bit on that one. Um, Hunter Bishop, you know, I know, you know, Hunter Bishop hasn't exactly turn into what people thought, but, you know, once again, like a decent player, uh, they have Dupree up, up from uh, low a, who I think is the all time single season home run uh, record holder for Northeastern out here in Boston. So I'm a little bit familiar with him, um, but there's other guys too, that I'm not thinking of, um, but it's a, it's a, Oh, uh, Hayden Cantrell, who not a super exciting prospect, but honestly like a pretty fun player to watch, like just, you know, twitchy fast. He's not a bad defender. Um, you know, kind of uh, exuberant on the field. But, you know, the other side of it is Vancouver is a pretty talented team. Um, you know, they got some bats for sure. Um, P.K. Morris has been hot of late. Desan Brown's been pretty good. Rainer Nunez isn't bad. Um, and, you know, they have a couple arms. It's not as strong as it was before, but you know, there's still a few arms, Santos, Dominguez, still a few arms that are worth, you know, checking out. So uh, that's a series I'll probably watch. I also like the broadcast quality of those two teams. So um, that's probably the series I'll hone in the most on. 
uh, at least this week. And then we'll see with, you know, Double A and some of the other series. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the kind of coincidence that Vancouver and Eugene closed the season with one another. Well, it's the same idea in the Double A playoffs or the Double A Eastern League playoffs, where Richmond's final two series are or were Bowie and then Erie. And Bowie and Erie are fighting it out to see who will play Richmond in the first round of the Eastern League playoff. So that's kind of fun. The Richmond gets to advance, uh, advance scout both those clubs in the last two weeks of the season before going back and, and playing them. And there's pretty good prospects on both those clubs. Kyle Harrison, like you mentioned, is on there, is on Richmond. Uh, they've got Vaughn Brown there, who's had a heck of a season. If you, by the way, if you were named Vaughn this year in the minor leagues, you're pretty had a pretty good year. Vaughn Brown, I believe, is either the batting champion or in line to be the batting champion for the entire minor league. And Vaughn Grissom uh, did something that we, we we may be unprecedented. He won a category in High A Best Tools and is likely going to exhaust prospect eligibility, which doesn't happen too often. That's you think about that. You have to go through double A and in theory, triple A, and then get 131 at bats in the big leagues. And he's going to do that for a team that's trying to defend a world series championship. Pretty darn cool. Um, but the point about that was Vaughn Brown is on um, Richmond. They've got some other guys too. Uh, Erie has Reese Olson and um, I believe Wilmer Flores still. Yeah, uh, they've got Dylan some guys. Dingler. Yep, Dylan Dingler. Parker uh, Meadows, who's had a sneaky good year. Yeah, he's pretty good too. And then Bowie has, sure, Bowie. I'd say Cesar Prieto. Colton Ka- yep, Colton Cowser. Fredo. Yep, it's going to be a, it's a fun little group. And, you know, if they really wanted, to, well, they're not going to. I think they already moved Grayson Rodriguez to AAA, but they could be really mean and move him back down to AA. Uh, next week if if the playoffs got there and just kind of uh, use him to uh, scare some squirrels in double a yeah. <laughs> he gets well he continues to build up innings look if we, we could talk about rehab guys in the minor league playoffs a lot uh, I've been to series where Andy Pettit started for the Trenton Thunder uh, then was relieved by Andrew Brackman uh, I saw it Edwin Encarnacion in a double A race. Um, there's plenty of Akron guys who I'm forgetting at this point, uh, but there were there were some games where big leaguers played a big. Oh, Clay Buckholtz one year uh, for the Red Sox came in. I think threw a bunch of no hit innings uh, against the the mighty Trenton Thunder at the time, and you know you see those guys every so often. It's it's pretty funny to see. Oh, you've got you know a multi-time all-star now in the affecting minor league playoff race. It's probably not funny to the teams at the time, but it's funny when you look back at it. Yeah, absolutely. The, the playoff series I'm looking at is in low A, where you have Lynchburg versus Fredericksburg, the Battle of the Bergs. And on one side, on, on Lynchburg's side, you have Angel Janow, who I ranked as the number one prospect in the Arizona Complex League. And on the other side, you have right-hander Harlan Susanna, who I ranked as the number two prospect in the Arizona Complex League, and then was part of the package to get Juan Soto from Washington, D.C. to San Diego. 
so that's a pretty cool little matchup there. Janow is a, is one of Cleveland's cash cash of middle infield prospects, and he shows really good contact skills on both sides of the ball, sneaky power, enough defense to stick at shortstop. The Raves were really loud on him, and if you've been following by by now, you know. You know, not only about Chorio, but I've been on the Susanna bandwagon since March. Big, big, big right-hander throws, you know, triple digits pretty constantly. Wipeout slider. It's kind of the whispers of a changeup, uh, but a pretty darn good first season as a pro. So that'll be a really fun one to watch. And as we both know, the broadcaster for Fredericksburg, Joey Zanaboni, is a very fun listen too. So yeah, absolutely, that, that's uh, pretty cool too. And you know, I've been keeping up with the playoff chart. It's interesting. Uh, the Giants have four affiliates in one that's already won the championship in the ACL, but San Jose, Eugene, and Richmond all got in. I believe the Rays have four affiliates too. Montgomery, Double Montgomery, the Biscuits, uh, are in for the seventh straight season, which is pretty darn impressive. Um, Can I I just stop you here and just say how it's amazing, no matter what your accent is, if you say biscuits, you immediately sound sassy. Well, I am sassy. Fair. I'm very sassy. I'm, you know, I don't have an accent, which is really unfortunate. I, you know, I don't have. When you said biscuits, you were like biscuits. Biscuits. I don't really have an accent, which is, which stinks because I was, if you know me, I was born on the East Coast raised on the west coast and now i'm kind of in the south so i've got nothing uh, as far as an accent goes which stinks but in any case whatever my voice sounds like it's not as impressive as the montgomery biscuits over the last few years or the rays affiliates last year they were very close to a clean sweep in championships i mean curtis mead won three rings last year because <laughs> he spent a little bit of time and i think there was others who won three rings a little bit of time with Triple uh, A Durham, which won uh, their championship. I don't think it was a traditional championship last year because of the way that the season was. And they won the final stretch, and I believe Charleston won it, and Bowling Green won it, and Montgomery came. I think they came down to the final game, and this year there's they're all back in, um, with the exception of Durham just yet, and Durham's leading the way in the international league they're they're dueling back and forth with uh scranton wilkes uh the yankees affiliate in triple a who we talked about earlier with anthony volpe on on the club so raise affiliates in the playoffs is a pretty regular occurrence and i think the the, the playoffs will be really fun to watch um and, and track as we get closer to the true end of the minor league season and the and the fall league and the winter league and like we said, handbook season and all that good stuff. And now with that, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, Jeff. What are you looking forward to next year in 2023? Any, any prospects that you saw this year that you want to see kind of an encore from next year? Yeah, um, definitely looking forward to getting down you know as long as my assignments are still the same uh in terms of what we do for spring training um, i'm excited to get down to jupiter again and just be able to work you know some backfields that might have a little bit more talent um 
excited to see potentially Cooper Jerpy, um, you know, on the backfields is a potential of that happening. Um, some of the Astros draftees, like, you know, Drew Gilbert, um, Dombrowski, who I had seen on the Cape years ago, uh, but really the Nationals. I'm excited to see the Nationals complex because, you know, conceivably I could see Susanna and I could see James Wood multiple times uh, in the course of the week. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, you know, thinking as far as, as next year, I think, as I always am, I'm, I'm most excited to see how some of these draftees um, settle in over the first couple of months and, you know, how we look at them a year from now, because I think that can, that can alter and change pretty drastically. Um, look at Kyle Manzardo, I think our most recent addition to the top 100 list, guy that was a second round pick, and I'm not even sure he was in the raised 30 in the handbook. Um, and obviously the raised system was stacked and I don't, I wouldn't blame anybody. And I don't think there was anyone that probably had them above 20, even if they did, um, you know, have them on a 30. So it's one of those things where like a year from now, things will look much different. Even July next year, things will look much different from how we view this draft class. And, um, you know, some of it will be guys that, uh, I probably stumped for a little bit players that I, I didn't like as much and just seeing how they, they, uh, they sort of um, gel over the first year, you know, first full season of pro bowl. I, I think that's typically one of my favorite things to watch. Um, there'll be breakouts, of course. I mean, being a little bit more generic here, but that's the stuff that I really like to get into and, you know, try to target players early that are showing signs of drastic improvement and, um, you know, I think it, I think in some ways, like I, I, I did a pretty good job of that this year. I think I can do a better job next year. Um, but for me, it's always the the draftees and how they roll in because it kind of marries um, the the different um, piece of uh, parts of the content, you know, that I, that I work in, whether it's Cape Cod stuff or some of the college looks I look at and um, just my general fascination with the draft and player development and, um, how a destination can really have an impact on the player. So I know that was a long-winded answer, but I really think that's probably what I'm looking forward to most is just seeing how these draftees, like, will Brooks Lee be good? You know, will Eric Brown be good? What will Jacob Berry be like? You know, um, a year can tell us a lot. I agree. And, you know, I'm not looking for short-winded from you. Would you want the listener to get the uh, his or her bang <laughs> for their buck out of this podcast? But... I'll answer my own question and, you know, it, it'll probably be my, my goal to finally cross Yuri Perez off my list. He is the best pitcher I've never seen. Um, and I, I had planned, I'd hoped when I went to see Ellie that it was going to be Ellie versus Yuri in one of those games. And unfortunately, Yuri was hurt. It didn't work out that way. Uh, but below that, and I think I'll get a, a lot of chances to see Ellie next year. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll get a lot of chances to see Yuri next year because Jacksonville comes to Durham a lot. And besides that, I want to see Tink Hentz when he goes to uh, full season ball. Well, it was gone to full season ball. Goes to Peoria next year. He's someone I'm really, really intrigued by. A really live arm with a nasty changeup and a pretty good breaking ball that maybe needs to come along a little further. But, you know, in terms of pure electric arms, there's few better than Tink Hens's in the minor leagues. His stuff on the uh, on uh, on MILB TV is just you know must watch. I'm 
you know, I'll say it again, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, want to see some more from Jackson Chorio next year at the upper levels, double A, triple A, see if he can get to the big leagues next year. Um, we'll see what else, you know, there's, there's other guys that I'm really interested in, you know, some, some of the guys that you saw on the FCL and ACL lists, uh, Miguel Blaze with the Red Sox. Like I mentioned, Janow and Susanna, I'd love to see them again. Um, Luis Serna with the Yankees looks really fun. Samuel Basayo with the, the Orioles looks like a guy I'd love to see and go get plenty of chances because, you know, if you come through the Orioles lower minors, you're going to come through this general region. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some of the red, the red, Reds, the Rangers guys who I do for their system. Um, Daniel Cueva, Jason Morabel, um, Anthony Gutierrez, guys like that. And then even more Emiliano Tiodo next year when he moves on to Hickory. They've got a lot of fun guys in the lower minors that I'll be excited to watch come through here a billion times next year uh, as the season wears on. So that's what I'm looking forward to in 2023. Already thinking about getting back down to Arizona, or as I call it, Barizona. Uh, actually, there's a real place called Barizona, uh, which is pretty cool. And getting on those backfields and, you know, seeing what I can see. Although I will do that in a couple of weeks, hopefully, when I see a little bit of instructs with my fall league. And like I said at the beginning, I'm really feeling frisky. I'll, I'll triple up and see all those guys uh, in one day and then go home and just or go back to the hotel and just kind of unpack and realize all the levels of baseball I've seen in one particular day. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to next year. I think one thing we should, we should just mention before we're done is that Cole Waits got called up to the big leagues today. And, you know, about a year ago at this time, I was tweeting about how his fastball was nuts. And uh, now it's a big league fastball. And Jeff, I know you agree that Cole Waits' fastball is pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, I, think it's, I think it's arguably the best fastball uh in the minors um well i guess it's in the majors now <laughs> but it's probably one of the best in 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 baseball i mean just you look at hop i mean he's getting 20 inches of ride on a regular basis almost consistently um spin velocity consistently release characteristics uh how it plays out of the hand just like um vertical plane all that sort of thing yeah i mean it's um it's tremendous i i honestly think it's uh maybe top 10 fastballs in the world i mean it's 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 just has every possible marker and then you look at the performance and he gets whiffs with it he gets chases with it um not a pitch that guys really barrel up and he throws it a ton and when you're getting really high rate stats on a pitch that you throw that much and it's a fastball, that's a rarity. Um, you know, obviously a relief only guy, but uh, a really intriguing fastball. Absolutely. I've been really, really intrigued by what he's done in the minor leagues. They had a lot of guys last year who kind of killed it in terms of uh, relievers who got just tons and tons of strikeouts. And he was foremost among them. He was probably the lowest profile since he kind of came out of nowhere with because he had like a he had a knee injury 
to start his year and was mostly at the complex. And then when he finally got to the lower levels, he killed it, just struck out just about everyone. And I believe closed the door on Eugene's championship last year. And, you know, uh, that was September 25th, I believe, that I tweeted about it. So less than a year later, he's about to make his big league debut, which is a pretty cool story for a really late round draft pick out of, I believe, West Alabama. Great That's job. That's right. By, Division two, West Alabama. Great job by the Giants scouts to get a guy like that. So late, they're not always, it ain't always the first rounders. It ain't always the second rounder. Sometimes those late round guys are, are big leaguers too. So kudos to the Giants for finding a good one. You know, I think we're done with this episode. Any last words, Jeff? No, absolutely. I got nothing else to say, man. It's been a blast. I can't yeah. wait to keep on doing this throughout the offseason and uh, pause up to all the listeners out there. Perfect. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.